Today's show is sponsored by Talkspace, the online therapy company. For a fraction of the price of traditional therapy, you can pick an experienced, licensed therapist you relate to and feel comfortable with. Each and every therapist has at least a master's degree and has completed over 3,000 hours of supervised work. To match with your perfect therapist, go to Talkspace.com forward slash boom. And to show your support for this podcast, use code boom to get $30 off your first month. That's boom. Talkspace.com slash boom. B-O-O-M. You are locked on Rockets. Your daily podcast on the Houston Rockets, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Four down, 99 to go. On that positive note, welcome back to Locked On Rockets, your home for podcast coverage of the Houston Rockets. I'm your host, Ben DuBose. I'm going to have fun with that as long as I can. For the time being, I still can because the Rockets 101-89 winners in Memphis on Wednesday night. Now 4-0 on the preseason. As I always say, five preseason games, 82 regular season games, a minimum of 16 in the playoffs. If you win, why not win them all? Now, we're pretty confident that's not going to happen. But for the time being, sure, enjoy it. And the Rockets got it done in a rather unconventional way on Wednesday night. It's always nice to win. In the case of playing the Grizzlies... It's the first time since the season opener, uh, the preseason opener, excuse me, in Oklahoma that the Rockets really played a true, I would say, quality NBA team. The Thunder didn't have Russell Westbrook, but they did have Paul George and Carmelo Anthony, but then you played a Chinese team, the Shanghai Sharks and the New York Knicks, who I think we all understand are just not a very good basketball team. So Memphis, the first team, I don't know if they're a playoff team, but certainly they have a lot of pedigree, headlined by Marcus Gasol and Mike Conley. So the Rockets, they got a test in a way they have not gotten in the first three preseason games. And it was a little bit ugly to start. The Rockets actually losing 47-44 at the half, but the Rockets turned it on in the second half, scored 27 in the third, 30 in the fourth, and ultimately the Grizzlies just did not have the firepower to keep up. And while it's a preseason game, the interesting thing and the positive that I take out of it both teams played their regulars at least 20-plus uh, minutes. The Rockets actually played James Harden and Chris Paul 32 each. It was Chris Paul's response from um, return to the lineup from that bruised shoulder that kept him out in New York on Monday. And the interesting thing for the Rockets, it was a very unconventional win in that Chris Paul was 3 of 12 from the field. James Harden was 2 of 13. Combined, they were 5 of 25. That's 20% shooting and 2 of 15 from 3. So neither of your main guys really got going that well. Now, they were still positive. James Harden was a plus 7 in his 32 minutes. Chris Paul was a plus 32. But neither of your big guns got going at all. Eric Gordon finally had his regression to the mean game, 5 of 16 from the field, 2 of 12 from 3. Going in, Eric was literally over 60% from 3 in his first three-point game, uh, his first three games of the preseason. So I think it goes without saying that that's a little unsustainable. So certainly Eric had a regression, which you would expect. Chris and James did not play well at all. And yet the Rockets, not only did they beat a quality team on the road, they beat a quality team on the road by double digits. And so yes, it's the preseason, but I think there are some positive trends that you can take out of that. And certainly it starts with the defensive effort. And I'm going to, I'm going to start first and foremost with Clint Capella, because more than anything, this was the kind of game that you want to see from Clint. And in his 27 minutes, 15 points, 9 rebounds, 5 blocks against Mark Gasol. And that's big time because if you look at the preseason as a whole, Clint now averaging 24 minutes a game, he's at almost 15 points per game, over 8 rebounds per game, 62% from the field, even 57% on his free throws 
Thoughts you extrapolate that to the 28 to 30 minutes per game that he plans on playing in the regular season? That's borderline all-star level production. Now, granted, it's the preseason. There's a long way to go. So it's not fair to look at the numbers in three or four games and really play that extra extrapolation game and expect it to 100% translate. But folks, what you've seen from Clint Capella this preseason, I think you have to like it. And in this case, against Marc Gasol, it seemed like that Clint, not only did he play well himself, he held Marc Gasol to 5 of 13 from the field. So Marc Gasol, this is the type of center that historically has given Clint the most difficulties, very physical, very plotting, very half-court oriented, and yet Clint still had a strong game one-on-one against one of the best centers in the NBA. That, to me, is very rewarding from a Rockets fan perspective to see your center, the X-Factor, because I would say he and Eric Gordon, if you're looking for who's going to be that third star, Clint Capella and Eric Gordon, those are the two guys that have the best potential internally to sort of grow into that. Gordon, if he stays the guy he was the first 40 games of last year. Clint, because in his year four, he earns that big contract that we know he's wanting. Those are your two guys, if you're the Rockets, that have the best shot to kind of develop into that third star that I know a lot of you were hoping for back during the pursuit of Carmelo Anthony. And both of those in the preseason have been very strong. So I think that's something to see those numbers against Marcus Saul. That's great. But the other three that really stood out to me, yes, it was a big Clint Capella game, but Trevor Ariza, Luke Babute, and P.J. Tucker, your three defenders, boy, did they stand out. Trevor was 6 of 9 from the field, including 4 of 6 from 3, 8 rebounds in his 30 minutes, 16 points. I've said it from the jump, but Trevor Ariza has been ready to go for these first four games. And it's not just a matter of making shots, although that certainly helps. He's now over 50% from the field, uh, from three, excuse me, in the uh, preseason. But eight rebounds in 30 minutes, he's rebounding better. It's just a matter of keeping that production over the course of full 82 games rather than have some drop-off in efficiency as his legs tire. But folks, as I said back during the Carmelo talks, there was a reason why you could not include Trevor Ariza. When he's right, he's a huge piece, not just from a one-on-one defense, but he can make shots. He can rebound. He can do a lot of things. And then in this game, you had that, and then you coupled the bench guys, Bob Mute, P.J. Tucker, plus 12 for P.J. in his 21 minutes, plus 11 for Luke in his 24 minutes. Luke also scored 10 points, including two of four from behind the arc. But really, this was a game in which their energy paid off. Because with the starters, I don't want to say that they were poor. Now, certainly a production in the first quarter was not what you would want, but I would say more than anything, they were careless. It was a combination of the Rockets. They couldn't make shots, and that happens from time to time. You're going to have games over 82 when you're cold. They're poor, and they were careless. And you were at a point where the Rockets, to get going, they needed to get some easy buckets. And then when you went to at least having two of those three, and occasionally, I believe there were a few stretches where they tried all of them, but... uh, at least having two of those three, Ariza, Tucker, and Bahamute, because they are so active defensively, their hands, their overall IQ, they're able to get into the passing lanes, they're able to frustrate defenses, and in a way, they're able to generate a fast-break offense, get easier baskets, just because of the stops that you get when they are in the game. And that, to me, was when things started getting going for the Rockets when they got the stops and they started to get a few easier buckets by virtue of having those guys that you can count on to actually provide energy, get stops. And to me, that's the story of the game. Uh, PJ plus 12, Luke plus 11, Ariza plus 9, 
Clint Capella held his own in the post against Marcus Gasol, and that was great when you see him battle at least to a draw, if not outplay Marcus Gasol, which arguably he did since Gasol was 5 of 13. But the real difference in this game, Memphis historically is a team that you associate with that grit and grind, that slow down style, and yet it was the Rockets that were actually able to grind the Grizzlies because when they were able to put at least two of those three out there, they're just so long, they're so disruptive that eventually it just ground that Memphis offense to a halt and then you get a few stops and ultimately all it takes is hitting a couple of shots and the Rockets just have too much firepower for the Memphis team. So that's why those... That defense, to me, is what flashed the most in this game. And it was, I would say, rewarding in a strange way that even when the Rockets did not have their usual offense, they were still still able to get wins in a different way as opposed to what we saw through a lot of last year through the first three games of the preseason, which is just this high-flying offensive attack in which we have Eric Gordon shooting a ridiculous almost 60% more than that going into the game, I believe, from three James Harden in MVP mode, 36 points, 11 assists, 9 rebounds like he had on Monday in New York. That's great when you can get it, but it's also helpful that you can grind games and get them the other way as well. And against Memphis, it's particularly relevant because I've mentioned this before, but the Rockets played Memphis four times in the first month of the season. That's a lot. You're going to be seeing a lot of the Memphis Grizzlies over the next um, six weeks because it goes up until... I believe, November 20th. So yeah, all those games come very, very quickly out of the shoot, four of them. And of course, if you're the Rockets, that's the team that it you know you're better than from a talent perspective. And so if you want to get out to the kind of start that puts you in strong position to be the West number two team after Golden State, then you need to be ready. The schedule is a little softer for the Rockets out of the jump. So the Grizzlies are a team the Rockets need to take advantage of. And after watching that game Wednesday night, I feel pretty good about the matchup from a Rockets perspective because even when things didn't go well for their primary three playmakers, the two star guards, Chris Paul, James Harden, and then Eric Gordon off the bench, even with all of that, Rockets still won by double digits because they have that extra gear defensively that even when things aren't going, the Rockets are actually able to thrive at a half-court setting now as well because they're versatile enough to play multiple styles. So to me, it was an encouraging game because of that. I'm not going to say it was overall a brilliant game because certainly you don't like to see Chris Paul and James Harden go a combined 5 of 25 but I, even with those, I'll say there were still a little bit of positives. One thing I liked out of James, now James certainly, yeah, it's not the same as him going for 36, 11, and 9. And I do want to touch on the lowlights because I don't want to just focus on the highlights. We also want to be objective here and focus on what went wrong. And in the case of James, yeah, you go from 36, 11, and 9 to 18, 9, and 5. The top line numbers are okay, but 6 turnovers, 2 of 13 from the field, 0 of 8 from 3. Not great. However, I do think there were signs of progress, specifically that James got to the line 15 times. That's different. That, to me, shows a little more comfort, I would say, in him playing alongside Chris Paul. If you look at the first two games, now, what a lot of folks want to talk about, and I think that's fair, is how is James playing alongside Chris Paul? Because the one game that we saw James in MVP mode, that was when Chris Paul set out with the bruised shoulder. So... In a way, it was like James being back into the offense he was in last year. I know a lot of folks are concerned about, okay, how is this transition going to go with both of those dominant guys on the court at the same time? And one of the things that had worried me, worried is too strong a word, but stuck out, I'll say, through the first two games of James Harden and Chris Paul was how infrequently James Harden was driving the basketball. And to some extent, that's because of the preseason. You don't want to take a pounding. I understand that. 
But at the same time, it seemed like that James was so focused on getting other guys involved, partly Chris Paul, also the shooter. Certainly you have Eric Gordon and Trevor Ariza shooting the way they have this preseason. You want to encourage them to be involved in the offense as much as they can. And then you have your new parts, Tucker, Bob Mute, et cetera, off the bench. that are also going to be rotation players. And James was kind of, I would say, in a secondary mode on offense. Now, Wednesday, he certainly was not. The bad news, he did not make his shots, and he still has not shot from three well alongside Chris Paul, but I tend to think that's more randomness. I didn't see that much different in terms of the quality of his stroke or quality of attempts Monday in New York versus the other three games, or sometimes you make them, sometimes you don't. It's a small sample size. What I did see different from James was that he was aggressive and got to the line 15 times and, of course, made 14 of those. So that, to me, is more regular season form, James, and that's what you want to see now at the regular season opener at Golden State is less than a, a week away. Because, yes, it's great in the preseason to get those guys involved, but in the regular season, we all know the versatility of James's game, and even if he's cold from the perimeter, you want to see that he still has that aggression, that ability to go in, take contact, and Wednesday, that's what he did. It was an ugly line. It's not one that he's going to be proud of from an efficiency standpoint, although it is the preseason, have to throw that caveat out there. But I do like that James was able, even playing alongside Chris Paul, to get back into that mode in which he was an aggressive, attacking scorer. And I think it's good to see those results that he's still able to get to the line at will and even playing alongside Chris Paul. That did not seem to be um, a, a problem for James in, in this game. But the only nitpick you can say is that, well, he needs to shoot better. But yeah, I think he's aware of that generally. Uh, you get to the line 15 times. I think that's the James Harden that we're familiar with. And it shows you that his limited free throw attempts the first couple of games had more to do with just a conscious choice on his part of how he wanted to play and get other guys involved, as opposed to really trying to figure out when he can drive with Chris Paul in the game. I think the opportunities are there, and he's aware of them. It's just a matter of when he thinks it's worth it. But this was probably the last game that you see the Rockets' regulars go 30-plus minutes. My guess is Friday night, the last game of the preseason, you don't see the regulars for more than, say, 20, 25 minutes at most because it's so close in proximity to next Tuesday's opener at Golden State. My guess is that game Friday, you get more of a look at those end-of-the-bench guys. So I think this was the game... And it was national TV, too, and I'm sure they knew that. This was your last game for your regulars, your James Harden, Chris Pauls, to really get 30-plus minutes. And so I think that's when you saw James kind of flip the switch into a little less distribution mode and a little more, okay, this is the regular season. And, of course, we saw this on Monday in New York when he was brilliant, but that was when Chris Paul was not alongside it. Now you saw that same dynamic alongside Chris Paul. Unfortunately, the shooting efficiency was not the same, but I would say the mentality was similar, and it shows that I don't think James is going to have a problem in terms of picking his spots when to be aggressive next to Chris Paul. Now, Chris himself, that line was a little worse. Uh, nine points, three of 12 from the field, two of seven from three. Did have uh, six assists, although four turnovers. Sometimes I think you have to give credit to the player he's up against. He went up against Mike Conley, who's uh, now, to be fair, Chris's defense was good. Uh, Conley was just 3 of 10 from the field himself. Overall, it was a choppy game, you would certainly say. But Chris, coming off the injury, not playing Monday in New York, I think there's a little bit more integration for Chris than there is for James. And I think you can see that to a large extent with the level of three-point attempts that Chris has taken, 7 out of his 12 overall field goal attempts on Wednesday in Memphis. 
I also think Chris was somewhat victimized by the poor shooting around, and the Rockets as a team were 14 of 46 from the field, basically 30%. That's well under what we've seen from them from behind the arc for most of this preseason. So with a little bit better luck, it's entirely possible that we're talking about a borderline double-double game for Chris, and even though he's missing those shots, he's, you know, other players making shots doesn't make up for him going through your 12, but at the same time, you're I didn't see a big difference in terms of him as a floor general, which is what you're counting on from him, versus the first two games when he was so locked in, and in my opinion, the best player on the floor in both of those. I think it's going to help if, well, his teammates just make shots at a better clip than they did uh, on Wednesday. Sometimes the game really is that simple. If there's a critique I would make in terms of style, it would be to have more plays where you have Chris and James together. I think it's possible that some of that action is being delayed until the regular season. You certainly don't want to tip your hand. But there are some stretches if you want to critique, okay, why have these guys not really gotten going at the same time? It feels like, okay, this possession is James's possession. This possession is Chris's possession to serve as the lead. When in reality, it's very possible you can get both of those guys involved. You can have James setting the pick up high or Chris. And we've actually have seen that in practice in terms of those guards being able to be the ones actually setting that pick and getting involved with both of the players at the same time. But I think it's possible that you're waiting to do that uh, until the games actually matter. In this case, in the preseason, you're essentially trying to run very vanilla sets. And so I think what sometimes happens is that one guy gets in the groove, the other guy isn't. And for Chris, it's a little harder because James is always going to be able to score because his game is so conditional on getting to the free throw line. Again, James in his 32 minutes, 15 free throw attempts. Chris in his 32 minutes, only two free throw attempts. So for Chris Paul, the shooter, his game is not anywhere near the same as James, and I think we all know that, but it makes it a little bit tougher to get going if the possessions are limited. In the case of the preseason, you're not playing full minutes, and the possessions are a little vanilla anyway in terms of who's controlling the offense. So if this were a regular season game, I would critique it, saying you need to find ways to get Chris Paul going a little more, even if he's not the one initiating the offense, maybe have him come up and set that pick for James, get him more directly involved as opposed to uh, completely playing off the ball the, the way we've seen at times. So I think a lot of that has to do with vanilla schemes in the preseason and just trying to adjust and get ready for the basics uh, in terms of running the offense. And I think some of the more intricacies when it comes to getting both Chris and James going simultaneously, I think you're probably going to see that more once it goes to the regular season. Now, there was another minor injury. Chris bumped knees towards the end of the game, but I would not worry about that. Same reason I didn't worry about the bruised shoulder the other night. It's the preseason. They're going to be extra cautious with any little injury. But in terms of the struggles of those two, first off, I wouldn't say they're either is sustainable for James. I think it's just a matter of he missed shots. Sometimes that happens, but James looks very comfortable, and that's reflected in him getting to the line 15 times. For Chris, it's a little different. I thought from a floor general game, he actually did have a lot of great passes. You just had a lot of missed shots that held him down in terms of assist. In terms of his actual playmaking potential, especially as a scorer, I think that's there. I do think he could take a few more mid-range shots. But in general, I think some of the ways the Rockets are going to be able to get both of those guys going at the same time are not necessarily the best match with how vanilla the preseason typically is. So I wouldn't worry about it too much at this point. Just keep an eye on it, especially as you get to Golden State, if you see those guys struggling to get going at the same time. Now, that can be overdone because in general, of course, you're going to have at least half the game when one player is out there without the other. So I don't want to harp too much on how Chris and James play on the floor at the same time because half the game for both of them is going to be how they run the offense 
um, when the other is not out there. Now, we tend to focus on them playing together because, of course, we're excited about that, and that's going to be the closing lineup, but let's not forget about the other aspect as well. And then the third guy that struggled, Eric Gordon, look, he still looks quick to me. He looks decisive. He looked like he got a lot of the same shots he got in the first three games. He was shooting over 60% from the field and playing ridiculously well. Just ultimately, there's a reason why those percentages aren't sustainable, and it was a regression to the main game. I don't see anything from Eric that indicates concern. He's getting the same shots. He looks fresh, he looks ready to go, he looks energetic. Just sometimes you miss those shots, but by and large, his percentages for the preseason, even with a 5 of 16 game, are still out of this world. So, yeah, Eric Gordon, to me, I write it off, and again, by and large, I feel pretty positive about this game as a as a guy covering the Rockets, and I think you should as well, because generally the Rockets were not able to play their usual style in terms of making a lot of threes, making the game look pretty offensively, and yet they still got to win against the Memphis team that was playing uh, Marcus Gasol and Mike Conley, because of the Rockets this year, when you add P.J. Tucker and Luke Bamute, you're able to grind and get wins from a defensive perspective as well. And of course, on top of that, uh, Luke actually made uh, a couple of threes as well. So the Rockets, they can beat you in multiple ways this year, and more than anything, that's what stood out to me on Wednesday night as the Rockets improved to 4-0 in the preseason. Again, uh, finale is Friday night at home against the San Antonio Spurs. So for now, um, I hope all of you guys enjoy an off day in Houston sports. It's kind of a fun time. Apologies for the delay, by the way, in getting this episode to you. As I said on Twitter last night, my first concern was watching that uh, Indian Yankees game. Thankfully, the Yankees won, which means the Astros have home field advantage in the American League Championship Series, which starts this weekend. So if you know me, I'm a Houston sports guy first. If any Houston sports team has a real, realistic shot at a championship, which the Astros now do, that's always my priority. So uh, apologies for the slight delay in the recap, but wanted to actually watch it this morning, which I did. I DVR'd it and then going through all the sets and all the things to break it down with you on this show. So that's the reason for the delay, and that may be the case this weekend as well, because, of course, the Spurs game one is on Friday night, same as the Astros game one. But, of course, I will watch it. We will break it down this weekend, and so there's going to be a lot to look forward to, both in terms of the Rockets, just a few days away from the regular season, and, of course, the Astros progressing to what we hope is just the second World Series berth in club history. But for now, it's an off day for both the Rockets and Astros, so I hope that... uh, You guys go out there and uh, get some rest, enjoy it, because things are about to get very intense very soon. Um, My name is Ben DuBose. If you're not already following me on Twitter, please do so at Ben DuBose. The show is Locked in Rockets. Follow us at Locked in Rockets. Also email us, LockedInRockets at gmail.com. Questions, suggestions, advertising inquiries, anything we can do to make this a better program for you, the Rockets fan. Once again, happy final for Memphis. Rockets 101, Grizzlies 89. Rockets are now... 4-0 on the preseason. Finale is Friday night in San Antonio, and I look forward to chatting with you guys about that one then. For now, enjoy your day.